I don't want anybody to take it as a negative. Mm-hmm. We're all doing the best we can in every moment. Mm-hmm. But I think that we as parents need to question why we're saying this again. Thanks for listening to We're Momming today. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com slash momming. It's the place where any podcast listener can leave a star rating and review no matter where you listen to podcasts. We're momming today with Jill Lankler, a clinical psychologist and life coach, about how to bring joy back to parenting, how to appreciate our kids for who they are, and how to realize when we're overparenting them, which is something I do, which is something most people do. It's what our culture tells us to do, Jill. A lot of us do it. And I want to say that there's no shame in it. It is a cultural dictate, if you will. And I think that because we're so outcome-driven in this society, we want what's best for our kids. It's really all done with the right intention, but the execution can often suck the joy out of life. It really just can. And what I mean by overparenting, and I'm curious your take on overparenting, is overscheduling, constantly saying, do this, do that, don't do this, uh, you have to be here at this time, and let's advance this skill and karate and gymnastics, and it's, it's a lot. It, it really is a lot. And there are some kids, honestly, who thrive on it. And that's fantastic. Um, but there are other kids who like to try things for a little while and then want to drop them. And parents think, well, I don't want to raise a quitter. So I'm going to have you stick it out until the end. And we're not listening to our kids. And there's not a respect there sometimes that could be better. Would you make the argument that quitting is winning? I do think quitting can definitely be winning. When you're standing in your own authority and your own integrity and you're making the choices in your life, which kids have very, very few, Mm -hmm. they don't get to choose what they eat. They don't get to choose when they wake up. They don't get to choose homework. There's so Mm -hmm. much. They don't get to choose what they learn in school. So when they are making a choice and showing that kind of independence, we shouldn't label it as a negative. You have three kids, and yes. you're also a life coach. Mm-hmm. How, does, how does your life inform your work and vice versa? I think we can only teach what we know. And when I work with people, it's whatever they come to me to work on, I work on the same thing because I think we learn together. Um, so my kids... I asked them all before I came on today, what do you think, you know, is something that I should talk about that was helpful in our relationship? And they all gave me a different piece, which I and totally And your kids love. are a little bit older. My so kids are older. So, yes, yeah, yeah. so we can have that dialogue. And we've, we've come through a lot of really tough places um, with college applications and, you know, having a goal-directed, you know, high-achieving high ideal. Um, and so in answer to that, my life information is everything. That's mm-hmm. that's really what I know. And my kids taught it to me. Yeah. Are any of your three kids, because uh, you, you sent me some notes, some talking points, and one of them is raising a rebel. Um, and the fact that your kid might not want to do what you want them to do, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Do your children, any of them, fall into that rebel category? They all fall into that category, but they worked with it very differently. So my oldest was aware that you just have to get through this. Put your head down. I don't agree with a lot of it, but I'm just going to 
I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, my middle one just managed to channel the intensity that it brought and really put it in places that she loved the most. Mm. My youngest wouldn't have any of it, none of it. And he literally told me when he was in sixth or seventh grade, he shut down his brain. And he didn't want to do what everybody else was telling him to do. What was your reaction to that? Well, my reaction on a daily basis was stop using my brain. He literally (laughs) would ask me everything. And I'm like, you have a brain. Let's turn it on. Um, But I think in retrospect, it was so... It was so helpful for him. He just, I respect it. I honestly respect it. At the time, I didn't know what to do. There wasn't another way. I didn't know another way um, other than the way I and my daughters and my husband went through. So that shifted your perspective. It and has your to. advice now would be when you have this kid where you've done the same parenting, essentially, that you did with your other children, and this one child just mm-hmm. is different, um, how do you get them to understand, well, yeah, you have to go to college and, yeah, you have to study for that test and you have to brush your teeth? You don't. <laughs> okay. Sorry to say you don't. Um, but they can't be dirty. They can be dirty. Okay. You know, so I think not to alarm everybody. Um, I'm not espousing going to, you know, the other end of the extreme, but there is a real taking stock of what your priorities are and what your values are. And I saw my relationship with my son really go down the drain. Um, because he wasn't conforming to what you Because he wasn't he conforming. And I really became, you know, I felt that these things were very important. Math, for instance, I felt you got to know math. I can let all the other subjects go, but math is a compounding subject. If you don't get it now, you're never going to get it. And so I really did let a lot go. But finally, I had to sit there one day when we were arguing over homework and um, and then I just asked myself, do I care about math? I know there's a general idea that it's important. Mm-hmm. It opens a lot of doors. It could open doors. Science jobs, ma- um, engineering jobs. Exactly. I mean, you need it. But at that point, I realized I was choosing math, if you will, over my relationship with my son. Okay. And that's what shifted everything. I never said another word about it. And Did he notice that yeah. mom, mom gave up on math? Yeah, I let it go. And our relationship is amazing. I mean, there were a couple of years in there, but it's so, worth it. So when you I – don't, I don't know if this is the right word. When you let him be him without putting your expectations on him or guiding him, how, how exactly did that change the relationship? It really started with me changing me. I had to give up a lot of just normal things that you feel it's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And I had to really question everything. What was I doing? Why was I saying this to him? Where was this coming from? I really realized much of it was coming from fear, fear for his future, mm-hmm. fear that he would turn around one day and say, why didn't you tell me that, you know, mm-hmm. and have like regrets or guilt. Um, and that his outcome, his success, if you will, would have been um, indicative of your parenting. Or you, I mean, for, for me at least, I, I think, okay, I parent this way because I need, I need mm-hmm. my children to have this outcome in their life. They need to achieve that goal. So I have to do what I'm doing right now so they can do what they need to do. 
That is what we think. We do feel that we're building foundations, but often, at least what I found in my life, I find it in a lot of clients' lives, the messages that we're sending are not the messages. The messages we think we're sending are not the messages they're receiving. So so how do you really build that relationship and bring out the true talents and the true interests that your child has if they're not doing what you want them to do? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and it has to be based on your comfort zone. We were in the weeds so deep. Um, it doesn't have to get to that point, but we were in so deep that it required something a little more, I would say, radical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it started with us getting on the same page, right? You really have to join your child in whatever. If it's video games, sit down with them. Figure out. I sat down with my son who was playing video games till four in the morning. I can't stay up that late. There's nothing I could do. (laughs) Um, And so I sat down with him one day and I watched him help other people on the video games. I saw him socialize with people of all different ages. I saw him use his intellect and his, um, you know, stick-to-itiveness and uh, his kindness. And I was blown away, actually, by what he was actually learning from the video games. And he wasn't getting that from school. You know, in school, if you don't fly straight, you get a lot of not great stuff Mm -hmm. coming at you, which is belittling, et cetera. Um, And so we just join them. You have to join them. Jill, hold that thought. We're going to return to momming right after this. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with Jill Lankler talking about, I guess, how best to parent for our specific child's needs. There's not one way to do this. Um, and something that you talk about is what you call benign neglect. Uh, helicopter parenting or micromanaging your child is a euphemism for bullying them. And when you think about it like that, I remember I picked my daughter up from school two days ago. And she's like, her favorite thing to do after school is go to this yoga class. It's half yoga, half art. She loves it. Mommy, I don't want to go to yoga art. Well, why not? A, I paid for it. B, we're going to dinner with your friend after. And C, we committed to it. Mommy, I really don't want to go today. Okay, did anything happen? Da, da, da. So I just I let it go. I'm like, fine, we don't have to go. And I was very um, taken aback by my pretty quick uh, dismissal. I said, fine, you don't have to go. Mm-hmm. Was that good or bad? Look, I, I love that. I like that we can be flexible and not, to your point, say, I paid for that. I've said that. I paid for that class. You're going to go to the end of that class. Yeah, and we commit. You make a commitment. You follow through. Yes. And that's not the life of a child. It's just not. <laughs> you know, a, a child is a free spirit. And I think the more we can nurture that free spirit, I don't think that you, I would have ended up in the situation I ended up in. Hmm. You know, I, I was trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And um, eventually that's just you're going to figure out that that's, that doesn't work. I feel like a lot of parents then – like if you let your child just do whatever they want and let them be that free spirit, that could be scary. For the parent or the child? 
both. Mm -hmm. They can go down the wrong path and you can just dismiss it all the time because you're just letting them do their thing and you're not putting them on a more acceptable path. I think for me, the idea is I'm still working with respect. I'm still working with conversation. I'm still working with compassion, understanding. So it's not a do whatever you want. I think that's what people typically think, that we have two choices, laissez-faire or, you know, mm-hmm. my way or the highway. And those aren't the two choices. Um, so if that's – I think it starts like that. You know, when the kids are little, they need a sleep schedule because you need to have them on a sleep schedule. And then, you know, whatever you branch out from there. But at, at what point does it change where you really need to say, what do you like? What do you want to do? What do you want your schedule to be? In my experience, there will never be a time when your child is not telling you. Whether we're listening is a totally different story. Mm-hmm. But you you know. You know. You will have conversations, the same ones, over and over again. If you are repeating yourself, stop. You know, you're not listening um, and you're not paying attention. And that's also disrespectful to the child when you're like, I told you to do this and I told you to do that. and. Mm-hmm. You know, and we are really foisting an agenda mm-hmm. on the kids. So I just ask parents, this is not to say anything. We all do this. So this is not a negative. I don't want anybody to take it as a negative. Mm-hmm. We're all doing the best we can in every moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we as parents need to question why we're saying this again. I can just picture, you know, my father-in-law rolling his eyes at this conversation and saying, no, you do what I say when I tell you to do it because I'm the authority figure and I, and I, it just, that's the way it is. Well, I have a great story for you on that one. And my dad, I love him dearly. My dad was a pull yourself, is a pull yourself up by your bootstraps guy. And, um, when I was parenting my kids and I would get up from the dinner table and indulge the whatever I had to do, um, he was frustrated. He was definitely frustrated that um, I wasn't stricter with my children. And it took about 18 years, but at some point he said, you know, I know I criticized you for about 18 years, but you must have done something right because you have great kids. Um, so that was – you know, and look t- at you. So that's why I'm saying maybe that mentality does work. What the um, the tougher mentality? Yeah. Well, i i've I've come about to where I am. My rigidity. I parented the way I felt my parents parented in the beginning, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't consistent with what my kids needed. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're helping other people. What is the one, if you, if you could generalize, what is the one complaint that they have when it comes to parenting? Um, there's the typical, there's not enough hours in a day, but there's also the, the biggest issue is the divide between the parents. Mm. Um, it's, they have different ideas about how, I guess, we should parent, how we should discipline, how lax we should be or how strict um and that is the thing that really starts to cause the problems within the family and that's really how people come to me when the whole unit Mm -hmm. becomes disrupted and it's not because of that child and i really 
ask people, if you're having a problem with the child, please get help yourself. The child is a representation of what's going on in your life. If you're stressed out, you're going to have a stressed out child. If you're, it's just. You think it's that simple? It reflects in one way. You know, either the the child will go either way. It'll say, I don't want to be stressed out like my parent. I'm going to do the opposite. That's a possibility too. But it's still working from that same place of I don't want to be that Mm. or I am that. What about when one parent, here, I'm known to be more lenient than um, my husband. And my kids know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not really a position you ever want to get to, but that's where I am. Mm -hmm. Look, I don't I don't think that that's actually a bad thing if you can acknowledge it that way because kids learn from differences. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there can be a problem if they're going to one parent and working the parents against each other. Mm-hmm. Mom said this was okay. And then the, the dad's like, well, she didn't discuss it with me. And then it starts to kind of blow up in a lot of yeah. miscommunication. So get on the same page. If you can get on the same page. Well, if you can get on the same page with your significant other, that's definitely ideal. And know that there's always open – let the child know there's always open communication. And don't answer for your spouse. Be respectful of your spouse and say to your child, I have to talk that over with dad or I have to talk that over with mom. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Let me see. What did your daughter say to you when you were struggling with your son? We were all struggling with my son at one point and they were – they were frustrated that I couldn't do more with the situation and that I couldn't sort of save them from mm-hmm. it. You know, it really was a, a, a disruption, you know, for, for all of us because it caused just a lot of stress on my husband and I. Yeah. Um, and so they were, they were definitely frustrated. But the one thing we learn and we say all the time now is all they need is a little love. And... It changed everything. It really changed everything. It seems so cliche, um, but that's what my daughter said to me. I realized that all my all my brother needs is a little love, mm-hmm. and she stopped kind of fighting him. Acceptance. Yeah, and compassion and understanding of where they're coming from, and it doesn't mean agreement. Mm-hmm. It just means that your life is different than my life, and I honor where you are, and you honor where I am, and that's respect. A message for parents to back off and don't be a bully. Jill, don't be a bully. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.